Welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick, I'm your host, and today we're going to provide some valuable lessons in storytelling for teachers. If you're new to the podcast, really excited that you're here. And if you've been here before, even more excited to have you back. I have written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and recently released a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. I started a business called The Brief Lab, where we teach people how to become clear and concise communicators, how to become more intentional. And one of the things we want to tackle today is how do you use this incredible gift of storytelling to teach? Now, this isn't exactly meant for teachers. It really is primarily meant for people that don't teach or are thrust into the role of teacher or instructor, because it happens to all of us, right? We're in our in our roles and we are we have to give somebody a course of instruction or we become an expert in an area or we're asked to coach or onboard people, whatever it might be, new hires, where we have to teach them. And we we, we start to prepare. Okay, I want to teach everybody. And it's all about a course of instruction. I'm going to teach you all these steps about how to do these things. And it's very technical. Um, and I've mastered this because they've asked me to be an instructor and whatever that might be. And we have to be careful because there's a risk. And the risk is... I'm talking, they're not focused, they're missing every third word, they're not learning what I'm teaching, but I'm saying what I need to say. I'm all prepared. Where is the disconnect? Where are they? And we've talked about this extensively in the book Noise, which is their lives are very noisy. So when they come into the classroom or the course of instruction or the workshop or whatever you're, the moment you're teaching, we naively think that they're walking in with a clean slate, perfectly focused, hear everything we say. Flip it around. Think about the courses that you've taken in the past and your instructors. Are they engaging? Are they easy to follow? Um, do they hold your attention? Do you zone out? Are they clicking through PowerPoint slides? Are they droning on? Now, the technical or instructions or whatever they're giving you might be the right things, but the question that you're asking on the receiving end is, is it easy to follow? Am I falling asleep? Um, are they boring? Many people that when they're teaching, forget about the people they're teaching and they're just talking to themselves. So what we're going to really tackle today is this really valuable lesson of storytelling as a method of instruction, right? How to, how to use storytelling as the, as the path forward. And I can't overestimate or over encourage in this regard that the power of stories as a method to, to teach people. Why? Because in my experience, storytelling creates what I call the Trojan horse effect. You know the story, Trojan horse goes through the door, everybody thinks it's a gift or whatever the story is, they opens up, all the soldiers come out, and then the rest is history. The same thing with storytelling. It presents itself as a story. People You've gone through our, our work, you've read the books, you hear this term, the elusive 600, which the, the brain's ability to process a lot of information, 750 words per minute, yet we're listening to 150 words per minute, so they got 600 words that are in play, that's where distractions occur, and a story comes. Well, a story triggers the elusive 600 to say, oh, I like stories, stories are interesting. When I was a kid, they used to tell stories, stories are awesome, and you lock into the story, and it's the Trojan horse effect because you can pack a lot of information inside the story with the confidence that 
all of those details will be delivered. And it's amazing. If you did some, because I'm a marketer, my marketing past, what we call A-B testing. If you think about, if I give you seven technical details, you knew step one, step two, like steps, and I use the same details in a story, which one is going to get through? Where is the retention? Where is the interest going to be the highest? And where is the retention going to be the highest? It's always going to be in storytelling. Hence, why it's so valuable to use this as a method of delivery. And we can't overuse it. So what I'm going to do just today is to walk you through just some considerations here about using storytelling as the method. I'm going to start with a story myself. So when I was in high school, actually it was started in seventh grade. I went to a prep school, which was seventh grade through senior year in high school. We had Spanish. Okay, so I took three years of Spanish, seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. And I had the same teacher for the same three years. And I was not terribly interested in learning Spanish. Okay, ironically, after many years, I lived in Spain and I became fluent in Spanish. But at the time, seventh, as a seventh grader, I was not thrilled with Spanish. Well, one of the things we discovered with our instructor is that he lived in Spain and he loved talking about when he lived in Spain. And we, because we were kind of devious boys at a prep school, found out that if we can entice him into telling us stories about when he lived in Spain, that he would get off the subject, abandon the class um, and the, the, the teaching, and then go on this epic rant about Don Quixote or skiing in the Pyrenees or all these just incredible stories because he had a million of them of when he lived in Spain. So we, his name was Mr. Dean. So we would go into class and we're like, Mr. Dean, tell us the story. Mr. Dean, tell us the story. But this was completely meant to distract him, get him off the topic so we didn't have to study that day. And it was hilarious because we would do it and, and he knew that we were doing it, but he couldn't help it because he loved telling stories. So we would use that as a device over the years. And, and many years later, we would laugh because it wasn't just our class. It was many classes that found that that was his weakness, right? Many teachers don't have that weakness. They couldn't tell a story to save their lives. So how do you start using this as a valuable tool to deliver the goods, right? When you're a teacher, it starts with taking time to prepare. Now, when you're thinking about telling a story, you, you can't, in many cases, in the moment, think of one. You have to build a bit of a library. So I teach a lot of the courses in our office in North Carolina, and I've built a catalog of stories. Now, these are just my experiences over time. Well, I, I make notes in my head and I write them down of examples or anecdotes to illustrate points of what I'm teaching. Why do I do that? Because it helps me and helps this, my, my, my participants follow along with the instruction. If I'm going to give them a point and I can give them an, an anecdote or an example of that point, what it does is it illustrates the point and all the details are inside that. That's the Trojan horse effect. So I'm talking to them about you need to design meetings and meeting agendas. That's the topic we, ta we tackled recently and how to create momentum. Let me give you an example. And then I go into an example. It, it helps, right? So I, I use them and I catalog them and it makes it effective. Now, that needs, you need preparation, you need experience, you need to do research, people go online, you've got Google, there's a million tools to find stories to illustrate the points you want to make. You just need to do it in advance. Do not wait for the last minute because they won't come in the moment. Most of us aren't that creative and they will, um, if they're not, if you don't have them when you're going to teach the, the course, they're not going to come magically in the moment. You have to prepare in advance. That's the first consideration. 
The second consideration is what I'll call true or false. Right? Why? I don't have any stories because nothing happened to me. doesn't matter. Make one up. It's called fiction. Right? Make one up. I just did it in my last podcast. Right? We were talking about creating momentum and running a meeting, and I used an example of, of selling a building, fixing a building, or renting a building as my three possible options of discussion in a meeting where we're going to discuss and debate whether we should sell the building, we should fix it up, or we should or we should rent it. I, I have no story personally of me fixing up a building for sale or selling one or renting. I, I have no story like that. I just made it up. It doesn't matter. It's still a story. It still triggers the elusive 600 to say, oh, yeah, you know, if I was going to that meeting, what would that look like? So it starts creating pictures in people's minds. Use fiction to your advantage. Make them up. Imagine if, hypothetically, imagine there's a guy. Give them names. Years ago, um, and the story is, is in, illustrated in the book Brief, um, we used a hypothetical story for Granger, which was a client of mine. And we talked about customer A and customer B. And, and I said, well, let's call customer A Al and B Betty. Well, those names, Al and Betty, if you talk to people at Granger, and this is almost 10 years ago, people still remember Al and Betty. I just made up the characters. Al was a janitor and Betty was a, a, an accountant finance person. And we created names for those customers and, and that made it real for them. So make, make it up. True versus false. If you got a true one, great. Love it. Love true stories. People do too. But hypothetical stories are just as effective. All right. The third thing is just, I just, this is a line that I, I use and I'm really tired of it. It's just, you know, I learned this. I worked with this guy at an agency. His name was Scott. And Scott at some point was just sort of in, in, uh, in, a, in a, a bit of a funk in his career. And he was, he was kind of not motivated and, and he was a little disenfranchised and a little cynical. And he, and he said to me one day, you know, do you know the difference between ignorance and apathy? And then I stopped and he goes, I don't know and I don't care. And then he goes, you know what? I live in the intersection of those two streets. And I laughed because it was pretty dark. But it was funny. So Scott was like, ignorance and apathy. If, you, if you're teaching, you're, you're, you're informing, you're teaching, you're trying to make people not ignorant. You're, 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 you're teaching them, right? But informing is one thing, but making them care is another, right? So I'm giving you the seven steps of instruction. That doesn't mean you care. But if I tell you, these are the seven, you know, these are the seven things that I missed that got me fired from my last job. You'll, and, and I give you a little background and some context and this is what I did and the first thing I did and the second, you're way more interested in the second version than you are in the first, right? So ignorance and apathy, right? Not only informing them, but making them care, right? And, and that, that can be in, enormously powerful. And then the, the last thing is the power and the value of a story is twofold. Always is. Always has been, always will be. What do I mean? It's twofold. When I'm telling a story, I get comfortable. A lot of people, they're not their full-time job is not to be an instructor, to be a teacher. It's awkward. They're standing in front of a group of people. They're clicking through slides. They're nervous. They just want to get it over with. It's not their day job, right? Even if it is their day job, right? It, a story makes the instructor comfortable. When we would entice Mr. Deem to go on these epic Spanish stories of his time abroad, it, it made him comfortable, so comfortable that he would lose track of time and blow through the entire period. Well, that's why we did it. We got him so comfortable. So it makes you comfortable, which is a authentic, real teaching. 
And the second thing is it always connects to your students. Your audience always loves stories. They'll never hate them, right? As long as you keep, keep them short, sweet, interesting, and relevant, people love them. I mean, imagine if you're going into a class and your instructor says, let me give you, I'm going to give you three stories that illustrate this point. Our minds are immediately going to gravitate towards that. That's why it's such a valuable tool for teaching. Right? And one of the reasons why I wanted to, one of the big reasons why I wanted to share this on the podcast is to start using it and continually using it as a method, a, be a better method. Okay? So that's the valuable lesson for teaching storytelling. Okay? Never forget that teaching is as much or more about keeping an audience's attention than in knowing the material yourself. Just saying. For more information on our books, tools, workshops, webinars, and keynotes, please visit thebrieflab.com, T-H-E-B-R-I-E-F-L-A-B.com.